Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, each day on the I Work For Him show, we focus our discussions on items that will challenge you to change the way you think about your workplace and the ministry in the workplace and your life in Christ. And today is no different. Today we're talking about customer service and the imitation of Christ within customer service. And you know, just as it says in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. And there are millions of customer service people across the globe. And today, this show is for you. Please pay attention. We're here to encourage you, and we're here to give you instructions if you use customer service people all the time, if you are a customer service person, or what's the other choice? Let's just say you manage a bunch of customer service people. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. (laughs) We brought on an expert on this topic who's written an incredible book called Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. We've got Ron Johnson, the the author of that book. Ron Johnson, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Martha. It's good to be here. Now, we're just glad to have you. It was, uh, you know, I, I got introduced to your book 
I, I just was out searching as we were getting ready for last week's Tuesday show right before I got sick. I was searching out there for um, just a book or an article on incorporating my faith in Christ into a customer service job. And then I ran, I kept, I kept running into your book. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to find this guy. But just because your name is Ron Johnson and you, you know, trying to find Ron Johnson on Facebook or in the, on LinkedIn and, and I couldn't find your website. And I'm like, oh my word, this guy. And, and I just, I just kept digging. And as Martha knows, I don't give up real easy. He does easy. not give up easily, but I think he's glad he didn't give up. No, I'm glad I didn't give up because I started getting those sniffs and hints towards, you know, Spring Arbor University. And I dug through, dug through, dug through and finally found you on LinkedIn. And that was fantastic. So Ron, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and I really want to hear from your heart on your own experience as a customer service person in between your professor jobs, but also about your book. But before we do, as we do on each and every show, I always ask my guest just to share how Christ is making an impact on your life today. Sure. Well, Jim, I've spent my life searching for points of contact with God in the secular world. It started really when I was in high school and I gave my life to Jesus Christ at the age of 13. And I started praying about everything. And I discovered that when you do that, God will help with your schoolwork, with your extracurricular activities, with your relationships. And uh, I had a, a vivid experience of God in my daily life. But what I found when I told people about that was even among Christians, there it was not typical for people to find God Monday through Friday. And by the time I got into college, this had become a sort of passion for me to, to try to figure out what's so hard about it. Why is it so hard for so many people to find God in the secular world? And that became a focus for me when I was in college. About midway through college, I felt God guiding me into a certain kind of study, a, a broadly interdisciplinary study that would help me to understand many different kinds of work and uh, different ways of life, and to try to see what, what were the pitfalls in those various uh, ways that people spend their time. Uh, what, what were the various reasons why people find it hard to find God in their daily life? Hmm. And so when I was in, uh, in college, basically what I uh, became interested in is what your program is all about. And I found that uh, the more I dug into it, I felt there was not just one answer to that question, but there were probably as many answers as there are different kinds of people. Hmm. <laughs> yes, but there's just one God. But that that's the cool thing. I mean, that's such a great point, because that really talks about the nature of our Heavenly Father. You know, there's a different answer for every person, because we, He created each one of us as individuals. We're all so different. And each one of us, this is something I've learned just in my last few years of my walk with Christ, is that each one of us experiences our Heavenly Father in a different fashion. And uh, therefore, that makes our experience different, and it makes it so that how you experience God isn't dip, isn't wrong because it's different than me. It's what's right for you. So it's just it's fantastic. Right. So uh, very very cool. So how did you get? You know, you're a professor at Spring Arbor University in Michigan, and I know you've been a right. professor at other uh, other schools. How did you become a professor? Was that what you always wanted to do? Well, what happened was uh, I, I set out to do this very strange thing uh, to try to find God. Uh, points of contact with God in all different aspects of life. And so uh, when I went to college originally, I got a, a, a bachelor's degree in history, 
And that really meant that that gave me the ability to study practically everything as I felt led by God to do, as long as it it had happened in the past. But then uh, over the years, then I got a master's degree in education, thinking that I was going to probably end up teaching uh, either high school uh, history or uh, at the college level. But while I was doing that, God was also guiding me through uh, practical experience and a lot of other jobs. So I was a, a plate maker in a printing company, uh, uh, a produce guy in a supermarket, uh, a uh, substitute teacher in a high school. Uh, I, uh, I was uh, selling advertising for a newspaper. Uh, I was a computer software trainer. So I was doing different kinds of things while I was going through school and so on. And in each of those jobs, I was finding God in different ways. And ultimately, I ended up for a major telecommunications company, and I was an operations manager there. It was a great job, but I knew that I was meant at some point to go into the academic world. So while I was uh, at that company, I got the opportunity to get a doctorate at St. Louis University in the field of philosophy. So I left, they threw me a retirement party, uh, I left the company, and I went back to school and got a PhD in philosophy so I could teach. <laughs> Wow! I don't, now, was that a, a, with a biblical worldview? The the uh, the doctorate in philosophy was with a biblical world worldview or not? Um, the uh, uh, when you go to St. Louis University, one of the wonderful things about that is it's a Jesuit university. It is it's a Catholic school, but it's got this uh, this wonderful uh, uh, orientation that God is in everything. And so, yes, there's a biblical uh, background to everything that we do. And I also had the opportunity while I was there uh, to be teaching all the time that I was in graduate school as well. So I was also passing that on to the next generation as well. Mm, yeah, that's cool. All right, when we come back, Ron, I really want to break into your book that you've written and to end the show today talking about practical ways people can be Christ-like in their customer services job. All right, we're talking with author and professor Ron Johnson. That's right, the Ron Johnson, talking about his book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. And if you want to text us a question during the show about customer service and how Christ can be incorporated into that, you can text us, 727-487-9863, 727-487-9863. Before we get back to Ron, it's time for our book highlights segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts has been part of the Largo community for over 29 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Elmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot store is open to the public seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. Be the first person to call. Actually, be the first two people to call into the studio today, and we are giving away a copy of Ron Johnson's book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. That's right. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. All right, customer service and the imitation of Christ, an unemployed professor accepts a job in a customer service call center, I'm guessing with a telecommunications company, and embarks on a spiritual journey. Do you find it hard to get good service when you call an 800 number? Written with humor and honesty, this book explains what's happening on the other end of the line, but it also offers solutions. I read this book. It's fantastic. Everybody who's involved in customer service should get a copy of this book. 
even if you're not even looking at it from a Christ-like perspective, it was just a down-and-dirty, good little book on customer service. In order to get a copy of this book, call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. We're back live and in studio. Jim and Martha Brangenberg hosting the I Work For Him show. We got Ron Johnson calling from the great upper Midwest onto our call, onto our show today. Ron, you're not going to do a movie on that book, are you? I, I was just wondering what a movie like that would be like. <laughs> well, I think there's actually a TV Isn't there a TV show all about a customer service I call like center? there was one, like there's a, a sitcom or something. There was a, Todd, do you know what the name of that one was? Todd's going to work on that while we're on the air. It was like call center or something it, like that. It was, I yep, don't know. Yeah, oh. I, I don't know. Customer service world, it's a tough one. But it may not have been the right ways to do it. It might not have been the right ways to do it. All right, so Ron, what brought you to write this book? You're working at a telecommunications call center, I imagine. You're, you're a customer service person. What led you to write a book? Because it's a good book. Well, Just so you know, you're, you're a doctor. You've got a doctorate. And yet you wrote this book so that anybody can enjoy this book. That is extremely, extremely unusual talent. So what made you write it? Well, um, it actually uh, was because of what happened to me after what we had just uh, talked about a moment ago. I was poised and ready to be a professor for the rest of my life, and I was actually uh, uh, honored with the chance to teach at Xavier University in Cincinnati for a couple of years full-time, but I was there on just sabbatical replacement. I was uh, there to replace professors who were off doing other things for a year or two. Then they all came home, and for one reason or another, I had nothing lined up in the fall of the year 2000. Uh, my wife was working part-time, our daughter was just a year and a half old, and I needed to get a job. <laughs> and as I went out and padded the streets and tried to find a job, I found there were two things against me. One, that I had a PhD, but the other, that I had been an operations manager. You know, so, so to try to get an entry-level job was really difficult. And at one point, then, a, a local bank was uh, doing an open house for call center representatives, and I just uh, walked into that open house, and I leveled with them, and I said, I don't plan on being here longer than a year. I'm actually a professor, but I can get to one year. If you'll just uh, take me in, uh, I'll work hard for you. And they actually told me later that the uh, turnaround time for uh, people who stayed with them in their call center was really less than a year anyway. So they said, <laughs> okay, they were, they were glad to have me. So uh, I've been doing... I've been working for that company. It's been bought out a couple of times, but I've been working for that company for 14 years. So you're still wasn't my plan to, yeah. You're still working with them while you're also teaching. Yes. What ended up happening then was uh, I did not get a tenure track position, uh, so I just taught at night and I worked at day uh, in the call center, and then at night I teach. Hmm. And so you asked why I wrote the book. I wrote the book because I. Uh, that was the lowest point of my life. I couldn't figure out what God was doing because I really thought it all made sense up until that point that God was uh, leading me through all these other jobs that I had been through and then finally helping me to pull it all together philosophically. And then, then from the uh, from my professorial chair, I was going to send light to all the world. And 
That wasn't the plan. The plan was to be in the trenches, to, to be on the front lines. I mean, even more than I ever had been with the telecommunications company. Now, I'm in a bank. I mean, I, I, I knew nothing about banking, knew nothing about finances at all. I was totally helpless and just didn't understand why I was there at all and hmm. just had to turn it over to God. And do you know the reason why now, 14 years later, that you've been there? Well, I think that uh, one thing is clear, that it changed me. It it helped me to see, uh, really in a way that I had never seen before, the answer and answers to the, the question that I had devoted my life to. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can you find God, you know, in, uh, in the secular world? Because what I found was this was the first time in my life where I was in a job where I just, at first, I just couldn't make sense out of it. And God helped me to see that wherever God puts you, you can waste the rest of your life complaining about it, or you can just recognize that as your mission field and let God work through you. Well, the book you wrote is really, it's very entertaining and very, very practical. In fact, I'd like to remind our listening audience, you can get a copy of this book today if you call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Okay, so do you, re- you know, you, you wrote the name of the title of the book is Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. Do you really believe that CSRs or customer service representatives can imitate Christ or be a Christ-like example in the workplace? and to their customers? Do you really believe that? Oh, I believe it. I've, uh, I've experienced it, but I do have to make one uh, caveat about that, and that is that we, we can't imitate Christ in the way that my students try to imitate Socrates. You know, I teach them about Socrates, and then they go out and they try to act like him. Well, Jesus is different. We have to do it with Christ in order mm. to, uh, to imitate him. He's got to, he's got to serve people through us, if we want to uh, imitate Christ in in the workplace, hmm. uh, so so the answer is yes. You absolutely believe it can be done, and and your book is all about some great examples that can be done. So one of the things that um, hi Ron, this is Martha. Hi. Martha. <laughs> so I am in the customer service world. I run a Christian books and gift store and have about twelve part-time employees that all do customer service for me in our store. And I think to help our listening audience get to know you a little bit more, I'd love to hear um, something memorable or rewarding that um, you have experienced in the customer service world yourself. Okay. Yeah, and that, was a, it, it was really, uh, it became a daily experience for me. Hmm. Even though I just couldn't understand, I am a professor, what am I doing here? I could count on it, that before day's end, I would be able to help somebody. Or rather, Christ would be able to help somebody through me. And so it was just a a daily experience. You know, floods of memories come back, but but, uh, uh, a young man uh, with small children, his wife had just died. She did the banking. He didn't know anything about it. He gets on the phone, doesn't even know where to begin. Um, it, it was an opportunity for me to uh, to share his pain, to talk with him as a human being, and to help guide him and tell him what the next steps were. Um, or, or, a, or a father, uh, who, an older gentleman, who calls in and there are, uh, there are transactions happening on his debit card that he doesn't understand. 
And the more I probe, the more I discover that right at this very minute while I'm talking to him, his adult son is at the casino uh, using his using his debit card. Mm. And just talking with him and just helping him to figure out what are his next steps. What What is he going to do? And those kinds of things in the banking world, I discovered, you know, it's not all about money. It's about people who have problems and they come to us to help us sort to help them sort those problems out. Sure. And uh, every day, uh, those kinds of things happen. Did the bank always back you up when you, when you were having this opportunity to, 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 to just have these rewarding experiences with the customers? Did you always find the bank had your back when you were trying to go above and beyond for these customers? Well, it's an interesting thing, Jim. I, I do find that in all of the call centers that I've worked in, there, there definitely is a commitment to uh, helping people and to doing uh, the right thing. That was even the, the slogan we had in one of the uh, banks that I worked in, do the right thing. And there really was a commitment to that. However, there are uh, limitations that we work under. When you're in a call center, there's only so much time that you can spend on a call. And there is what we call the average handling time, or AHT, <laughs> which upper management uh, calculates on the basis of it's all mathematical. It's all on the basis of how many calls do we expect to come in at a certain time and how many people do we have to answer those calls. We don't want to turn anybody away, and we also don't want you, if you're the customer, sitting there for 20 minutes listening to our music. It's not that good. So we want to try to get you as quickly as possible on the line. So we, each of us who answer the telephone are given goals. We have to uh, complete a call within a certain amount of time. And so that's just one example of uh, the kinds of limitations that we're under uh, when we're trying to help people. We've been talking with your author and professor, Ron Johnson, about his book, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. If you want to participate in our conversation, text us during the show for, at 727-487-9863. So welcome back, Ron. Thanks. You bet. One of the things that um, I'm curious about hearing about is more about the overall of the book telling us about um, who it's for. The, the book is really written for people who are sitting in that chair taking customer service calls. I tried to keep in mind also other kinds of customer service workers, like the kind that you described, Martha, that work for you. But my experience has been mostly in the call center. So I wrote it for people who are in that chair who are told, you know, here is when you have your breaks. Here is how long you have to take your phone calls. Here's the script you must use, you know, and all of these kinds of things, uh, restrictions that we must work under, and at the same time, try to help people when they call in. So I wrote the book to try to uh, give practical advice on, uh, at least in my own experience, how I've found ways to do that. Well, and I really love the way it broke out a couple of concepts, and I really want to talk about three different concepts that you must rely on miracles, the three-way conversations, and blessing those who, are, who curse you. So I really want to talk about those three pieces of your book because they're powerful concepts, and they absolutely apply to customer service. And so it's I want to, I want to dig deep into that, but I want to remind people we still have one more copy of the book to give away, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Call now to get a copy of Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ by Ron Johnson. Okay, Ron, you say in your book that a CSR who wants to imitate Christ, as a CSR who, who wants to imitate Christ, we must rely on miracles. What do you mean? What, why is uh-huh. that? 
Well, if you want to just be a CSR, that's one thing. But if you want to be a CSR who imitates Christ, then I think you have to rely on miracles because uh, he did, because that's what he does. Uh, to, to have him work through us um, is really the great miracle. Um, and for me, uh, I get asked for miracles all the time. Uh, it, it sounds like this. A person comes on the line and says, I've talked with five other people, and they couldn't help me. Can you help me? And I accept that as a, as a request for a miracle, not by me, but by, uh, by God. And I figure, I, I can't work miracles, but Jesus can. And in the immortal words of Jim Brangenberg, I work for him. <laughs> and wow! And, well, I don't think anybody's ever told me I had immortal words. Wow! <laughs> Hope that doesn't mean something's coming. <laughs> but it really does uh, uh, seem to me sometimes like it is a miracle when you can help people because the system, our systems are getting so large now. Um, and it, like I say, I've worked for a, a few different banks and uh, uh, a few different call centers. And the bigger uh, the company, the harder it is when somebody calls you individually for you to be able to get the job done for them. Because there are other departments, really, who need to actually do the things uh, for that customer. And so, for me, it was a, a real learning experience of how to work with back office departments. They're the ones who actually get the job done, but they may not be as, as greatly motivated to do it because they're not on the phone with the customer like I am. So one of the things I do go into in great detail in the book is uh, is my experience of um, how to work with people in the back office in a way where we can mutually help each other, help the customer. Yeah, I loved your example in your book where basically you had somebody in the back office that needed something to get something else done, and so you help them get that done so they can help you get your customer thing done. And it was something about, if I remember correctly, it was you were trying to get them to refund money or something like that where they didn't have a policy of doing that, but you got you you got the the back office person, you helped them accomplish something so that they could help you accomplish something. Right, and ideally, that's uh, that's how it should work. And uh, so, back to the idea of miracles. Uh, although it is a miracle because it is uh, for me, it's all orchestrated by God. I'm praying through all of this, and I'm uh, and God is helping me to understand what I have to do to get everybody else to do what they have to do, and so on. It's also uh, it's also just a miracle to see how that synergy happens when we all work together. Hmm. That can be a miracle in and of itself, right? <laughs> it can be these days, yeah. So one of the other things you talked about was um, getting in the habit of considering all of their conversations a three-way conversation. What exactly is that? Well, that's borrowed from telephone analogy. Uh, when we're uh, when normally we're talking to one other person, that's a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. And we can conference somebody in and make it a three-way. And I use that as an analogy to, to try to describe what I uh, found I simply had to do to survive in this job, uh, coming as a professor who knew nothing about banking. And that was that I had to leave the communication line open with God uh, throughout the day. I know that for some people I've heard, you know, they'll start their day with a prayer and then they'll end their day with a prayer. I would be eaten alive if I did that. I've got to have the communication line with, open with God all day because I'm constantly turning to God and saying, Lord, do you understand this question that they just asked me? Because I have no clue. Mm-hmm. And, or, or, or uh, Lord, can you help me to find the answer 
you know, or where should I turn for this kind of thing? I'm constantly conversing with God while I'm conversing with the person on the line. So I, I call it a three-way. Yeah, now, most guys can't multitask like that, Ron. So how do you handle that? Because <laughs> most, most guys pretty much can't chew gum and walk. So, <laughs> Well, that's, that's just it, Jim. I can't multitask. So that's why I, uh, I had to do this. Because, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, multitasking, as far as writing uh, on a pad of paper and talking or typing on the uh, uh, keyboard and talking and so on, yeah, that's, that's a real challenge for me. But I've been in the habit throughout my life, ever since I was uh, a teenager and gave my life to Christ. I, I find that uh, to live the Christian life in whatever uh, circumstances you're in, it really, uh, for me, necessitates having that, that line of communication open all the time. Can you give us a practical example of what this looks like? Because I think that's what the listeners want to hear. You, know, the, you yeah. gave a great example on the miracles thing. So now I'll give some practical examples on the three-way conversation put into practice. Okay. Well, if it, let's say we're not at the workplace. Let's say we're driving down the road and somebody cuts us off. Um, and we honk our horn or we get angry. If you're, if you're constantly just trying to keep checking in with God, then... Uh, then all of a sudden there will be this something in the back of your mind that will say, oh, yeah, well, you know, would Jesus do that? Hmm. Or, or something just in the back of your mind that just reminds you, oh, that's right, I am talking to God here at the same time. And it, it then makes you take stock of what it is you're doing and whether that is appropriate to do that while you're talking to God. What's interesting, because I'm sitting here thinking about all of the years of customer service that I've been involved in, and I think a lot of times, just like the car cutting you off on the highway, sometimes you're blindsided by what somebody calls in and needs. And to oh. be able to be quick on your feet, I've often said, I can, re- in retrospect, said, man, God really helped me to solve that problem because I that was not the direction I was going to go, and it wouldn't have made the customer necessarily happy. So I almost see both of those playing together, where having the three-way conversation going on can lead to the miracle that, you know, needs to happen. <laughs> exactly, Martha. And, and that's part of what just really has fascinated me about, uh, uh, about customer service work. Because for me, from day one, it was this three-way conversation with God. So I'm, I'm really being prompted um, to act in certain ways and speak in certain ways uh, uh, from the beginning of a call when it works correctly. Now, I do want to throw that in there. You, you know, you, this is something that you practice, that you try to do, and despite your best intentions, uh, sometimes you totally forget you've got the line of communication open there. Mm. But uh, God still keeps prompting back and reminding me, hey, I'm still here, even if you're not going to act like I am. Yeah, no, I, I Martha and I ran a chain of insurance agencies for a number of years, and uh, you, you, this was a practice that yeah, I, I have. I, I love the fact you wrote about it because it's something that I, I use all the time. Because I, I often, whether it was a customer on the insurance side, they were just angry and not know. You know I just want to get angry back at them just to get them to stop yelling right. at me or, or whatever it was. But just to be able to pray in the middle of that conversation. But just recently, in the last fifteen years, Martha and I do a lot of marriage mentoring and uh, we do a lot of business mentoring. In the middle of conversations, people are asking me questions and like I have no, I, or they're making statements or they're describing something, and I'm I'm praying in the middle of it, going, Lord, what in the world? Am I supposed to do with this now? Holy smokes! Right. Give me, give me wisdom today. And that's not customer. 
customer service related, but it's actually in the in the mentoring. We call it mentoring because we can't call it counseling because we're not professional counselors. But it's often what we're doing. But the three way oh. conversation applies to every job on the planet. Well, and even your home life, right. because really. You know what? Yeah, dealing with your wife. Things? Yeah, when she comes at you <laughs> with, <laughs> with French fries instead of tater tots, you're like, "Lord, what am I supposed to do with her?" <laughs> oh, that was a little close to home, there, honey. Oh, sorry, the French no, fries. They just weren't very good the other they night, were honey. Not, no. <laughs> so you were going to say on your home life? Well, I just being able to apply that to every conversation you're having and bringing Christ into it. So Especially with your kids. Especially with your kids. Uh, but instead, we're bringing on customer service and the imitation of Christ. We've got professor and author Ron Johnson with us calling in all the way from Michigan, Spring Arbor, Michigan, from Spring Arbor University. Ron Johnson, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thanks. <laughs> you're supposed to be more excited than that, Ron, just in case you're wondering. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> you can sound like a politician. That's right. We still have one more. We, we still got one more copy of Ron's book to give away today, Customer Service and the Imitation of Christ. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. You, if you're in customer service or you deal with customer service people, you absolutely have to get this book. This is a book specifically on how to incorporate your faith in Jesus Christ into your job as a customer customer service person get the book today i'm giving a free copy away well ron sent it to me but i'm still giving it away free 855-265-2929 okay so we've talked about ron we've talked about customer service people needing to rely on miracles because when people say to you on the phone all right i've already talked to five people nobody can help you but now i've got you on the phone can you help me please and you're like yeah that's going to take a miracle okay then we talked about three-way conversations and how in every conversation we need to draw our Heavenly Father into the conversation to just give us wisdom on how to deal with that customer and, and give us supernatural wisdom that only he can have because he knows where that customer's heart is at. He knows more about the situation than you're ever going to know because of that. What did you call that? Uh, the time, a lot, a lot of time. Oh, yeah, A-H-T, yeah, average handling time. Average handling time, I should have written that down, A-H-T. There's something we all learned today, average handling time. If you ever wonder why people are trying to get you off the phone, it's because of average handling time. They want to talk to you really fast so they can get you Okay, forget it, I'll stop it. Okay, so so that was fantastic. The three-way conversations is probably the most powerful, when I read the book, the most powerful concept I got out of it because of how it, it just is so, I don't know, I've lived it. And, and I live it every day, and I just love the way that you wrote about it. I never thought about writing a – well, I don't ever think about writing a book. But talk about the, this last one, because this is so true, and I have been guilty. So to all those customers – in fact, there's this lady at Duke Energy just in the last month and a half. I lost my cool with when she said she couldn't read back a conversation to me that I had with a customer service person at Duke Energy – because I wasn't the name person on the account. I said, you won't read back a conversation I had with a customer service person on the phone because I'm not on the account, but I had the conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That sent me just so skyward. Apologizing. I did. I'm apologizing. I wish I knew her name, but I, I'm apologizing. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It made me mad because you guys had stupid rules. You know, just, but it's not your fault. You're just applying the rules. That's right. All right. So, but it's people like me on the phone like that day, and I don't usually lose my cool like that, but it just frustrated me because Duke Energy frustrates me. But they built a. Yeah, anyway, sorry. I won't, my, my wife's telling me I got to move on. I got to get off the soap. Let me get off the soapbox. I'm stepping down right now. Okay. Anyway, okay. So you said, you say in the book, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. The average person doesn't get a chance to practice this, but as a CSR, you sometimes get cursed just for saying hello. So how do you put this into practice? 
Well, yeah, and that was one of the things that just was really driven home to me when I started uh, doing customer service uh, work again after I'd had my doctorate and all. I thought, wow, you know, we talk about this. Uh, we read the scripture and so on, and how often do we really have a chance to practice this? And yet you get into customer service, and it's a daily thing. Uh, and what I found was that there, there's all kinds of resources that they give you in training, uh, and uh, your managers give you, and so on. They give you stress balls, for example. I, I don't know about you, but when I when I uh, push on a, or, or you know use a stress ball, it just makes me more nervous. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they give us things like that that are supposed to help calm us, and uh, uh, they uh, they taught us different uh, uh, tricks. Like uh, uh, there's a supposedly it's supposed to work if you if somebody's cursing at you and actually using uh, swearing at you, then you should uh, pretend every time they do that that they're saying the word pumpkin, and then count the pumpkins while they're yelling at you. You know, what I found was all of these things were just distracting for me. There was only one thing that really worked, and that was for me to uh, practice three-way conversation in every call, regardless of whether they're naughty or nice. And if I get into the habit of talking in the presence of God to every, every person who comes on the line, then it helps somewhat, at least, for me to remember that when this person comes on the line screaming at me, there's a reason. This is a human being who has, for some reason, has just really gotten to their breaking point. And maybe with the help of God, I can calm them down. Well, give me, you know, obviously, that's probably, you probably deal with that more often than not as often, unfortunately, because people don't usually call customer service until they're already frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's often true, yes. I mean, because they've already tried it. They've already been on the website. They've already, they're already trying to figure it out on their own. They've already done, tried to do the dial-by-phone banking. They've already tried to do the mobile app. They've already tried it on the right. website. They're already frustrated, and they just wanted to transfer money from their savings to their checking. Right. So, so you know what? You, go ahead. But what really surprises me, Jim, though, I, I, when I started uh, in banking customer service was the uh, amazing number of people don't come on the line angry. It's like they really try to calm themselves down before they call. So, uh, you know, so it, I really do want to paint the picture a little bit rosier, at least in my experience. Um, a lot of uh, reason for people to be angry out there, but not quite as many angry customers as you might think. But you say, bless those who curse you. So are you actually praying for them as they're screaming at you then? That's the idea, yeah. I'm not, not going to say I do it every time. Uh, there, you know, I I will always remember times when uh, I just uh, you know lost it as well, and maybe said something I shouldn't have said, and hoped that uh, that, that particular recorded call wasn't the one I was going to be uh, uh, I was going to be graded on this month or something. But uh, but yes, what I uh, what I find gets me through it is to pray for them as they're screaming at me, and basically the prayer is. Lord, let's find out why this person's angry and see if I can help them. Mm, powerful. And the, the, well, the good thing about that is, too, that oftentimes there is. You know, they've got a legitimate complaint. So it, it means a, a few different things. For one thing, this is a real plus for my company if I can find out what is it that we're doing that's not working. And if, you know, and, and then I can pass that on or, 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 you know, do whatever's necessary to change our procedures or tweak them or whatever I, you know, whatever's needed. Uh, but also in cases where we're doing the right thing, but this particular person fell between the cracks. 
then it gives me an opportunity to, uh, to help somebody. So as we're wrapping it up tonight, if you could just give one piece of advice to the customer service people that are listening, what would you encourage them with or what piece of advice would you throw at them? Well, my very uh, uh, favorite piece of advice would be to recognize that you're on an adventure with the risen Christ who is interested in a whole lot more than just religion. He wants to transform this world and make it a better place. And you've been put into this position where you can do some good. Hmm. You can either do a minimal amount of good and walk home with your paycheck and, and call it a day, or you can enter in, into an adventure with Christ and work, uh, allow him to work through you to make the world a better place. Hmm. Very good advice. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, coming up on the next I Work For Him show, next Monday, we've got Andrew Mason with Heaven and Business out of the, out of Redding, California, talking about his book, God With You at Work. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in a workplace, and I want you to ask yourself, if you don't know whether you have ever just committed your life to Jesus Christ, turned your life over to Him, and you want to know more about having this relationship with our Heavenly Father, Email me, Jim at I work for him, Jim at I work for him.com. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.